0: Advent Advent means coming, and most of the time at this time of year, we preach about the first coming of Christ, the coming of that little baby born in Bethlehem, and we sing those christmas carols and and that's a perfectly wonderful way to celebrate, uh, celebrate Advent. but today I want to talk about the second coming of Christ, and sometimes people get a little bit afraid, and there's all kinds of literature and movement out there that Get us all scared and worked up about the second coming of Christ. But I'm here to tell you that it's a very hopeful story. In our prayer here at this table, when we celebrate the sacrament of communion, we have some words that we say that uh, capture this hope. Let's say these words together. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. That's what I want to get across to you today, that Christ will come again. In order to get that point across to you, I'm going to tell you one story. It's, it's, a, it's a gr- just one story. It is a great story, but because I'm an Aggie, it's just one point, point. and it's about this. Keep it simple. Just Christ will come again, and that's our hopeful message for the day. In order to tell this story, we're going to encounter a guy known as Ernest Shackleton. If we could uh, see his book here. I've read his uh, journal. He was an Antarctic explorer. And in this message today, be prepared to get cold. Get very, very cold. All right? Or as we say in the Game of Thrones or the House of Stark, winter is coming. Right? Okay, some of you. I'm, I'm doing the cultural references here. Okay, so... In the year 1901, Ernest Shackleton was the third mate on a ship captained by Scott. The ship was named Discovery. They reached 82 degrees south latitude. But because Ernest had health problems, he was sent back. Oh, by the way, he's called the most successful failure, okay, Ernest Shackleton, because he made a second attempt. In the years 1907, 1909, he was on another ship. I'm not making the name of the ship up. It was called the Nimrod. (laughs) I love that. In this attempt, he got within 97 miles of the South Pole. He didn't make it. He had a third attempt the year. Oh, but before we get that. The race to the pole was won by a Norwegian in 1911. Amundsen reached the pole first. This was heartbreaking to Shackleton and so many other people because the North Pole had been conquered so many other great things had been conquered what's a guy to do who wants a challenge? So he came up with another challenge for himself and some people he wanted to cross the continent of Antarctica from one side to the other on foot 1800 miles Crazy, I know, it's just crazy, but the year got to be 1914. What was happening about then? World War I. It was very hard for him to mount such an expedition to get money, to get the ship, to get the backing of the king, but finally he did, and in 1914 he set out to conquer this last great frontier to cross the continent of Antarctica, going over the South Pole. To recruit his crew, he put this ad in a London newspaper. I hope the print's large enough for some of you to read this. Read this with me, would you? Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success, Ernest Shackleton. Over 5,000 men applied. Crazy, crazy testosterone. I don't know, something they, they came at. The way he sorted the men, he was looking for a sense of humor. That was his biggest qualifier. He recruited 26 men to go with him. They started towards the South Pole. The ship re, uh, uh, got more pr- provisions in Buenos Aires a stowaway got on board he didn't know it until he got further south so now it's Shackleton and 27 men on this ship let's see a picture of Shackleton so he was born in Ireland but at age 10 his family moved to London he was raised with a Quaker background And this next part is just for free, okay? It's for any of you that would desire to be a leader. There are some leadership qualities that Shackleton uh, possessed. Take these home. He was very clear about his goals always. His vision was never limited by what was in front of him. He could always look beyond that. He had a sense of wonder about him no matter what was happening. We might call this faith or spirituality. He had stamina in the face of obstacles. Just wait till you hear the rest of this story. He made adventure more important than safety. He always looked to the future and he took care of his men. The morale of his men was important to him. Let's see his ship. He had a family motto by endurance we conquer. Guess what he named his ship? Endurance. <laughs> They sail south. They got pretty far towards the South Pole, just in this ship. Uh, Reading his journal, there's just all kinds of things where they're dodging icebergs and moving things apart, and things will open up and then close up. And finally, though, his ship got stuck in the ice. And on May the 1st, remember the seasons are reversed. May the 1st, he said goodbye to the sun. It stays dark for four months The ship is stuck in the ice, and what does he do? He sets up a rotation of chores. And in Britain, there's a big class system, but not aboard this ship. He put himself and his other officers in a rotation where they were washing the floors and going out and hunting penguins and seals for food. All of the men did everything together. He was so good about morale. They continued to have entertainment. They would uh, observe the holidays. There were feasts. Uh, He he came up with all kinds of games indoors and outdoors. Uh, he, He really tried to boost up the spirit of his men. See the next slide. After 281 days locked in the ice, the endurance lost to the ice. Can you get it? Do you see this? Do you see the guy just standing there so stoically? Yeah, big deal. Right? <laughs> Amazing story. It was the end of the endurance, the ship, but not the endurance of the men and Shackleton. Locked in that ice for 281 days, the ship had drifted northwest away from the pole by 570 miles. They, they were still 360 miles, though, from the nearest resupply station. What did they do? They saved as much of the stores as they could off of the ship. They had the three lifeboats. They had some dog sleds and dogs. They had some food supplies. What to take and what to keep? What would you take? What would you keep if you were in this situation? They took clothing, sleeping bags, food, and a blubber stove. Those penguins and seals that they shot, they would cut the fat away, and that's what they used for their cooking fuel. Shackleton writes in his journal, so sovereigns were thrown away and photos kept. I love that line. If this were a stewardship sermon, wouldn't that be a great line? Those those coins that you, you thought were so precious, you just throw them away. Sovereigns were thrown away and photos kept. Here's what Shackleton kept. He tore a page from his King James Bible that the king had given him. (laughs) And he had this verse from Job. Let's read this verse together, okay? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Oh, I get cold just reading it. I tell you. Some of the most precious possessions, here's one. He said, Your spoon, to have a spoon was what you really wanted to to have with you. The men were crossing the ice, and they were not all happy all the time. There were two mutiny attempts. And what did Shackleton do? He put his enemies in his tent. What do we say? Keep your friends close and your enemies. Yeah. He lived this out, another leadership technique. Hard, cold, reading this journal, blizzards and storms and all kinds of obstacles. I, I was reading, uh, rereading it this past week, and it said in five hours' time, these men dragging these lifeboats across the ice, in five hours' time, they moved the boats 200 yards. They did have some food to eat that they salvaged. They had cold, tinned meats. They had dried milk, sugar, flour, some dried vegetables, and biscuits. But it was tough. But the sense of humor was great. When they were stuck on the ice dragging across, some of the men would say, Cook, I like my tea weak. (laughs) Another would say, Cook, I like my tea strong. It was the same tea, okay. (laughs) They just had a sense of humor about it. On Christmas Day, again, he continued to keep the morale up. They had cocoa on Christmas Day. Stuck on one of these ice floes that was going out. Three and a half months, he developed a camp there. He called it Camp Patience. He said the men continually talked of food. And water, there's ice all around you, but water to drink... what the men would do is they'd get a little bit of ice and they would put it in their their tobacco tin that was empty and they would put that inside their sleeping bag at night so that when they woke up in the morning, they could have a little sip of water from their tin. They had to shoot the dogs. This is such a sad part of this. Finally, though, they took their three lifeboats and the sea opened up enough so that they could put those lifeboats in and start heading towards some shelter. They rowed and they sailed, I think it was for 106 hours or something like this, almost continuously. And they had been, they shot the position of the sun when they started and after all of this time of rowing and they had lost 30 miles because of the current. He didn't tell the crew this. (laughs) Can you imagine this? Finally, they reached Easter Island. It was uninhabited island. They were the first human beings ever to get to Easter Island. He said, the men, when they got upon shore, they took peb- pebbles in their hands and they treated them like they were nuggets of gold, ah, oh, just to be on solid ground again. And there was fresh water, and they gorged themselves on the fresh water, and there were those birds that they shot and could eat, and they gorged themselves on food. But still, they were 800 miles away from an inhabited island, St. Georgia Island. So what did Shackleton do? He retrofitted one of those Little lifeboats, a whaler. Let's see a picture of it. The James Caird, 20 feet long. He covered the top. He did some other modifications to it. He took some stores inside of it. He recruited five other people to go with him, and he left 22 of the men on this Easter Island. He started across the Easter Island. If you miss it by just a fraction of a degree, I mean, you're, you're lost at sea. And at this time of the year, in his journal, he said, we picked to cross the most tempestuous storm-swept area of water in the world. 20-foot boat. Let's see the 22 men left behind on Easter Island. He started across 800 miles, and in his journal, he said, the waves were so high, there were deep valleys and high hills, He said, a thousand times we thought we were lost, that we would be engulfed. He said, we were cold and wet the whole time. Can you imagine salt water in your clothes all the time? The chafing of that, never, never getting warm or comfortable, hardly ever sleeping. But here's what he wrote in his journal. He said, once upon a time, one of these waves came and he was at the tiller and it just slapped him in the face and he goes, what a glorious morning! <laughs> Talk about a leader, you know, just amazing kind of guy. Finally, they were averaging about 60, 70 miles a day. They looked over the side and there was kelp in the water, there were some shorebirds in the air, and they got to this Easter Island. But when they tried to land the boat, they encountered hurricane-force winds several attempts before they could finally get the boat upon the shore. And guess what? They were on the wrong side of the island. The inhabitants were on the other side of the island, and they couldn't get the boat back out and around the island. It was 17 miles across from their side to the other side where the whaling station was. Shackleton, what does he do? He got the carpenter to take screws and put through his boots so that they could become ice boots. He took two men with him. He left three there on the shore. And he, remember, 800 miles, he sailed across. And what does he do? He gets up and he starts to cross the mountains and the glaciers 17 miles. They hike for 36 hours straight. I could tell you all kinds of stories about how he slid down a glacier and not knowing what's at the end, whether it's going to be a cliff or a soft landing, just amazing. Finally, he gets to the other side of the island and early in the morning, he hears the steam whistle of the whaling station. He knows that he has made it. They straggle into this whaling station. Let's see this quote that we have here. He wrote this in his journal. Say these words with me. We have seen God in his splendors, heard the text nature renders. We had reached the naked soul of man. He also wrote in his journal as he was hiking across this island, I had no doubt providence guided us. It seemed to me often that we were four, not three. He finds a ship, to go around the island to pick up the other three men. But to get those 22 men, it takes him not once, not twice, not three times, but four attempts to find a ship and at the right time to get back to those 22 men that he left stranded there on Elephant Island. After four and a half months, he came back to find all 22 alive. (laughs) He didn't lose a single man. All of the men wrote journals. He had left a man named Wild in charge of this 22-man group. One of the persons wrote about this You see, boss, Wilde never gave up hope. And whenever the sea was all clear of ice, he rolled up his sleeping bag and said to all hands, Roll up your sleeping bags, boys. The boss may come today. One day he did. Every single man had a sense of Shackleton's presence, even though he was absent Christ will come again (laughs) I know it gets tough (laughs) for you as individuals I know it gets tough for your families I know it's tough in this world and people they heighten our fear and anxiety and we think all is lost that it's the end times but I'm here to tell you I live with hope roll up your sleeping bags boys Today the boss may come. One day he did. One day he will. The good news I have to share with you this day is that Christ will come again. Amen.